welcome to episode 12 of One Book, One Album, One Film, the podcast. I'm Tom Falconetti, and I am joined by Nicole Conflone, Jeff Gonzalez, and Aaron Lasher Jacobstein. Hey, guys, how are you? Hey. Hey, Tom. Hey. So let's we, go. This is, uh, it's been a long time. Since the gang's yeah. been all together. Yeah. I know. When The last time we did this was December, but Jeff was not with us. I was not. Jeff purposely... Jeff was like September. Wow. Oh my gosh! I see. I see. I was. I was early in the social distancing thing. <laughs> <laughs> you got. You guys I, are all like, you know, swimming in my wake now. <laughs> I know. I. I think really, I'm still convinced that you just didn't uh, join us the last time because you didn't want to talk about Nick Cave. I don't remember exactly the reason, but that definitely factored it. Factored in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm not going to lie. This is the quarantine episode, or at least the first of maybe several quarantine episodes. Yeah, Um, probably likely it's several. It's weird. Not if you're not if you're around my neighbors. Like if you're my neighbors, you can just do this anytime you want. You guys come on over. I can fill up my driveway full of cars. What's going on? Holy crap! I I I I look out like earlier today. My neighbors are hanging out, and there's you know two other neighbors there in their backyard. And they're just, you know, yucking it up like nothing's going on. And uh, then by the time dinner time rolls around, their entire driveway is filled with cars and there's kids running around everywhere. And just scoffing in the face of uh, coronavirus. So these are neighbors and your other neighbors are all hanging out? I don't know if the other ones are neighbors or just friends of those neighbors. I have no idea. I don't know enough people around here. I don't want to know them other than like waving to them on the street. That was a lot of cars in the picture that you showed us. I would be <laughs> raging. <laughs> Jeff is just, doing espionage. It was also, hold up, it was also two ATVs. Oh, my God. Yeah. People rolled up in ATVs to this party? Damn right. It's shameful. Mm. Shocking. That's, uh... So, um... All right. So, here's, uh... Let's see. We are doing this very differently. We are podcasting via distance um so you're hearing things uh you know we're already the best in lo-fi podcasting but now it's even more lo-fi and all right, we are tom, all tom, yeah hold up hold up tom because i gotta say this because this would be the first time i can say this that you are too quiet get closer to the microphone tom you don't hear me oh it's not about me being close to the mic jeff it's that i had the phone further away and you're hearing me through the phone you're not hearing me through my mic um, I can get closer to the phone. How you doing now? Is it, do you hear it better? It's a little better. Okay, you're you're breaking up. Where are you in your house? So you need to go to a better location. No, I'm I'm fine. I, I hear you guys just fine. You say I'm breaking up. You were breaking up for yeah, a second. Yeah, you're breaking up. There was a little, yeah. Yeah, a little crackle. Right, well, hang on. Hang on. No, you, you're I'll good see. now. No, you're good now. Don't move. Don't give him an excuse to just hang up and go away, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, screw you guys. I'm out All right, so um, is that be- is that better? Yeah, yeah, no, it's perfect. Good. All right. Okay. So we're going to have to sort of like take our cues, maybe a little, you know, wait a second, someone jump in. But um, bear with us, people. You know, our vast audience spanning 75 countries or whatever the heck is going on. Um, it's amazing because um, we're getting a lot of love be- since uh, this whole thing started. Um, people are desperate for entertainment apparently apparently <laughs> so, so so I'm going to say something now um, so, so we don't forget later and that's um, we came up with an idea that you know anybody who um, listens to this podcast um, 
and more than once, feel free to send a um, your own curated episode to us about oh, a book. That wasn't where I thought you were going with this. Okay, well, you can tell me what that was afterwards. But send us an episode. Send us what you would like to hear us uh, have us read, listen to, and watch and talk about. And um, you know, the we will vote on the best submission over the summer and uh, record that sometime in July or August. Got, right, guys? Yep. Yeah, hopefully right. in person. First, first, I'm hearing of this, but sure, whatever. Well, you know, Jeff, you know, you don't, apparently you're not paying attention. You're only reading The Onion when we have these freaking threads. Um, hey, come on. Some of those are damn funny. They are. Every, every one out of every five is really funny. So, Jeff, where did you think I was going? Uh, you know, I thought you were uh, going back to what was our, our early days of our first listener. You know, anyone who wants to send in long pictures. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, what was her name? Nicole, right. what was her name? Oh, I don't remember what her name was. <laughs> oh, the early days. Yeah, who knows? So her this is this is supporter. technically this is the one year anniversary. It's episode number twelve. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, well, we're kind of behind. We are behind. Yeah, I actually thought Tom, you were gonna go like sentimental there and be like, no, seriously, guys, in this time of illness and quarantine i thought you were going to say like something uniting and comforting no no <laughs> but no it was just a ploy for <laughs> for more listeners yes more listeners. of course we're taking advantage of this in um, this dark time we turn to literature and... that's right in this dark time we do turn to literature movies and uh, music um wow yeah so great um i hope you guys have your recommendations for the end we didn't even talk about that Yes, I've got mine. All right. I've got one. Yeah, I'm all set. Too. All right, cool. All right, so Erin, uh, I'm going to pass. This is your month, Erin, and it's been your month for this about four month. months. You've held us hostage <laughs> for about four months on this episode. <laughs> I, re I remember like three things about, well, uh, about some of the stuff that, this, that we're going to talk about. This, you not, this might be the... Refresh, Jeff? I, uh, this I might be the shortest episode point, ever. But this isn't going to be the most articulate I've ever been. <laughs> You know, I think that's it's, okay. I think I, people I, will I, understand. I think the bar is pretty low considering some of the episodes we've done, so. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> I think the time capsule of our quarantine insanity, so. <laughs> unlike, a, unlike our blockbuster Superman episode. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite thing that that is the most popular episode I know it's... <laughs> you just hate it you hate it so much well actually I didn't mind the book I hated that movie but I, I do hate the fact that a superhero episode is the one that garnered the most, oh, vote, I hated that most movie. attention who didn't hate that movie I think yeah. that was like unanimous that was the worst movie we've watched it's the worst we've movie we've watched some bad ones oh yeah. I don't know about that I'd rather yeah. watch that than Sand any day really I would watch Sand I would watch Sand. In fact, didn't we just like say that this feels like a Sand movie right now? Yeah. 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 All right. If you so, knew what I was doing in my backyard, you would know it really is a Sand movie. Every day, I just oh go my back God, and that's a whole that's a whole other epic. I'm just I don't even know if you want. I'm just digging and digging and digging, and it never ends. And burning wood, burning wood, burning wood. Oh, Why man. are you burning wood? Because <laughs> because there's a lot of debris, like wood debris everywhere, all over the paths that we're clearing. And so I'm making piles Wait, of... You're clearing paths? Dude, I'm going through the woods, Jeff. We, I, I, I started, I got another second fire pit. I'm a two fire pit household now. 
there. You're like oh going to be a state park soon. Yeah, that's Jesus, what the goal go, is. I got a lot more chairs to break. We've got, you know, we've got, we've, <laughs> you know what, Jeff? Don't worry about it. You can you can buy a few to fill in the back. So we've got one in the back of the woods, and I just I cleared a path and I laid wow, stones just, on that, each side. That'll be my fire pit while I just break everything. I mean, there's so much to so many great. Um, paths to form in that yard we're going to make it into a hiking trail that goes in and out hopefully by I feel, um, like, tom, I feel like tom is in the middle of like heart of darkness here you know clearing a path through the jungle maybe for for other reasons certainly <laughs> um all right sorry we were at aaron aaron was supposed to uh lead us on to uh what we're actually supposed to oh no oh yeah so we actually have stuff to talk about this uh this segment okay. yeah Aaron, take right. it away. All right. So I think when we last spoke way back in, what was it, December, I said my theme. Hold on. I'll over help break it loose over at Tom's house. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the other pitfalls it's of like this. It's like we're there. I cannot. I, I just, feel like we're there. It's bad. Do you, know, do, you know where I, do you know where I am, Tom? I'm in my basement to avoid that problem. Yeah, but I could go to my basement. I still hear it through the floor. Uh. All right. Well, so when we last spoke, um, I think I had talked about the topic or the theme for this um, this episode would be Southern Gothic, although I think kind of in kind of reviewing everything, I really considered it more to be like Americana, like in a kind of a dark sense. I'm glad you said um, that. Yes. So um, the book that we that I chose that we're going to be talking about is Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward, which was the 2017 National Book Award winner for fiction, um, which I think it was in the Wikipedia description of it or one of the reviews I read um, called it the actually, no, this is from the, um, the cover was the it's called the archetypical road novel into rural 21st century america an intimate portrait of a family and an epic tale of hope and struggle um let's see so i mean basically what this book is is it's kind of bouncing back and forth primarily between jojo who is this 13 year old boy in mississippi and his mother leone and it kind of follows them in this period of time where they're traveling from northern Mississippi to get JoJo's father from um, prison. His father is being released from prison. And kind of on the way, they have um, there's kind of this interaction with some ghosts, in a sense, um, that JoJo can see, uh, you know, after they pick up um, JoJo's father, this ghost that um, Jojo can see Richie um, but also given is the um, the brother of Leone who was murdered and his kind of ghost um, takes a um, takes an appearance and so it really is kind of this story of um, that taps into these kind of intergenerational traumas and has themes of like racism and bigotry and um, all of these things that become really I think very salient for um a lot of the black Southern experience, I think that Jasmine Ward was trying to capture. Um, so it just, that's kind of a very quick synopsis, but just, I don't want to give too much away before we get into it. So um, that's kind of the intro to this book. So thank, I don't know what you guys. I want to say felt. thank you for refreshing my memory. I completely forgot what the hell happened in this book. <laughs> that was a great you guys synopsis. Me crap about it a second ago. I, can't believe I wasn't giving Jeff. I wasn't giving you crap about it. I've... Yeah, so. 
at least a month since we were supposed to have recorded. I so, know. Yeah. I, I I read this in Florida on our on our winter break. I remember. Oh boy. I actually the so this is the second time I read it, and the first time I read it, I also happened to be in Florida. <laughs> Which is appropriate, you know. Um, I think. My only South. comment to that is, why would you read this twice, Nicole? <laughs> I have oh, ouch. <laughs> Ouch! I, I got a feeling I, you're in for a, a, a surprise, you know, a not uh, so pleasant surprise, oh no. Aaron. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah, it's a oh, Tom, let it go, let it go, Tom. I, I'm ready. I'm ready whenever you want to hear it. I mean, uh, I, I I'm ready have, now. Unleash. I wouldn't have chosen to read it twice. I do have to say, but it's not the worst thing I've ever read. Um, <laughs> Four stars. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can start by saying that I do appreciate the ideas that Aaron touched upon, like the intergenerational trauma that's represented by the ghosts. Um, I guess I've just, like, I feel like I'm going to sound like a huge literary snob, but I feel like I've just read a lot of other stuff that does that so much better. Like, Toni Morrison is really good at that. Nicole, yeah. that's what we're here for. We're here to we're here to sound like literary snobs. So we're the literary I mean, snobs. She, this, this book, I think, in so many different reviews that I read, was compared to Morrison's Beloved, was compared mm-hmm. to Faulkner's As I Lay Dying, and so yes, I think that there is a sense in this book that it becomes. I, I think it runs the risk of becoming maybe derivative, um, but. I, I had read this before, and I wanted to read it again because I really liked it. You read so it twice, was... too? Yeah, yeah. You read it already? I did. Oh, geez, sorry. Um, because I thought it was a really—I <laughs> I liked it. All right, Tom, come on. You're holding out here. Go. No, listen, I'm—, I'm... Here's the thing. I could, can't believe—what year did this, this won the National Book Award? 2017. Did any other writers in America write books that year? Jesus, <laughs> I, I I don't know. No, you know what? It's it's not as bad as I'm saying, but like I no, I can't believe this. This someone compared this to Beloved, and as I, I mean, As I Lay Dying is like to me the worst Faulkner novel, but it's still yeah. better than this. And I can't believe that Beloved is compared to this. Um, this is like Beloved Ultralight. You know, mm-hmm. it's like 80 calories when Beloved is like you know 220. Um. I, I don't know. Pretty light. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's, this is a this is a Mick Ultra, and Beloved would be like, you know, I don't know, an IPA or a double IPA. Um, this is this was this book had some things that were good about it, or could have been good about it. I'll start with Pop. He's the only interesting thing about this book. I really liked his character. He's the yeah, only the only interesting thing to me. The the character of Jojo and the mother, the mother's relationship with the father goes nowhere. It do, that that whole relationship with his parents goes nowhere. It's mm-hmm. it just it really there's a lot of opportunities, and she doesn't mm-hmm. she doesn't cash in on any of them. I thought this book really failed in all of the big things it tried to do. Um, and, no, I, but I, I think I think Tom that you're you hit on like the the greatest thing is the the decisions that Pop and the, his experience and the decisions he has to make in his past are clearly the most weighty and interesting things in right. this book. Yes, and the rest of it is just like I can't believe I waited this long. I mean, this is that was really you know rough when you hear what ends up happening with Pop and right. and uh, what's the the ghost name? I can't Richie. 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 Richie and Richie. I mean, like that just that just kills you. But I mean, like you know that right there that should have been the whole book 
Yeah. I mean, I just, I yeah. just the rest of it is just, oh. Honestly, yeah, if you if you heard it from Pop's perspective, even the intergenerational trauma would have had a lot more substantial mm-hmm. meaning. Like, you don't get really his reaction that much to Gibbon's death or anything like that. I don't nope. think. Yeah. 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 And nothing happens with uh, the Michael and Leone relationship. Like, I, I don't believe it. There's nothing like, you know. It's very flat. Yeah, it's very flat. Yeah, like, They're like, not, why, these characters. Why would, why would this guy from, you know, he's he's. he's He's, uh, this is an uh, for, the, for the listeners. This is an inter, uh, interracial relationship that's going on uh, between um, the the main characters, mother and and father, um, and there's really no explanation as to why that gap would have been jumped at any point. It doesn't seem to make sense. Well, and also because it's interesting because it was so. Michael is JoJo's father. Michael is white. Leone is black, and Michael's cousin is the one who apparently murdered oh. Leone's brother. <laughs> yes. Right. So it adds this extra level of like bizarreness as to how this relationship exists or why it exists. And it's never actually answered. Right. No, it's like yeah, they get together <laughs> at high school, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry about my cousin." I don't even know if that conversation happens, but like yeah. they just gloss over it. I'm sorry, my cousin killed your. Your, your, your brother, brother, yeah. brother yeah. Who, who I is? Like that, I feel like that was right out of uh, Better Off Dead. Just sorry, your mom blew up, Ricky. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, but Jeff, Jeff, you know, he was given as a gift from God, Ugh. if you remember. Oh, I, it's like Metal World Peace. No, <laughs> terrible, na- terrible, the like reason the reasons for names. Given thing shows up is because the author's brother um, also died young, and yes. I think that yes. Yeah. That's where that she's trying to she's really trying very hard to drag that into this narrative that it doesn't mesh well. Right. Well, and it's would... unfortunate because that's such an important idea, especially in 2017. And it's just, again, like even though racism is not nuanced, not that it has to be. I think some people are just ignorant and they're racist, but the, the characters, especially Michael's parents, like Big Michael, are just so flat. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, like, no, it, he's it, just it, racist. That's all that there is. Yeah. Him. I mean, like, it, it, my take on this book was, like, you know, it, it got, it, it did get better as the book went on. For the first good chunk of, of the beginning of the book, I would have called it, for the love of God, will somebody please call CPS? Oh, you know, yeah. oh, oh my yeah. God. You know, yeah. You know, did, 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 taking the, throwing the sick baby into the car, and then yeah. the baby's throwing up and crapping all over the place, and you're just like, why? This is so painful and horrible to hear why is this happening and then eventually it becomes a little bit more interesting as things you know develop as they change the narrative from um you know from uh, uh is it jojo i'm sorry again yeah 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 from jojo to uh the mother and then you know once they get into the um the father's story that's you know the grandfather's story that's when it becomes actually really interesting and the ghost shows up um but before that i mean i'm just there's a long slog of just oh my god this is so horrible please stop well i think so i was listening to um an interview she had done on pbs i guess they so she was like one of their first for they have like a book club i guess on pbs or something and somebody had asked her whether or not she based any of the characters on people in her real life and she said no um the author jasmine ward um but she had said that she based them you know kind of loosely just on the experience of people in her community. And so she's talking about primarily primarily African-Americans, people who are poor. Um, you know, so I think that 
the beginning, you know, I know what you're saying, Jeff, yeah, like but, the beginning but, is. But yeah, kind I of, think that, I think that that's kind of tough though. Like if you don't, if you don't know personally, if you don't have an experience of someone who is, you know, living in the kind of poverty that would make them make those kind of horrible parenting decisions or, you know, uninformed. And I, I think that that's a tough thing to then fictionalize and write about. I, I, I think that you're making a big mistake there because you lose all the humanity. Like, you know, I, you hate the, the mother character um, uh, you know, at the beginning, you have no feeling for her just because of what she's doing to this right. poor goddamn baby and her son. Right. You know? And and I I don't think in the end, I don't think at any point they really tried to redeem her. They do, um, you know, but I don't think it gets there. You know, that's one of my problems with the book actually, because you have the shifting narrators, and I like this is just such a like tired stylistic choice in this day and age to just have shifting points of view. I think. But um, what really bothers me about it is that the shifting narrators doesn't increase any empathy for Leonie, and I think that that was, uh, like, an opportunity that was missed. Like Jeff said, like, you're just the whole time judging what a horrible parent she is, and of course you are, because she brings her kids to, like, buy meth at someone's house. But, yeah. like, there's... You don't ever understand where she's coming from, because the there's no stylistic distinctions between the voice of Jojo and Leonie that would help you to like see things from her point of view better other than that she experienced a trauma of her brother dying. Actually, you know, one of the funny things that I was just remembering um, from when I was reading this is that in the, um, in the, in the son's uh, portrayal of the mother in the way you hear her talk, she sounds like an ignorant, you know, um, angry uh, uh, person. But then when she actually, that when when the narrative changes and it becomes her narrating her own story, it changes to such a point where you're thinking this this can't be the same character. This can't well, be the but, same person. But I think that's intentional. Like so, Jojo is a 13 year old boy, and oh, under- how could a 13 year old boy possibly understand like the complexities oh, of his oh, mother's know, thinking? I mean, right, if, right. If you are, if you are, it, I mean, not her thinking. I'm just saying her actual words. And right, her but he actions. he's describing her from his perspective, which is obviously very different from the way that she's presenting herself and the thoughts right. that she's having. So right. I think it makes sense why it might seem like a totally different person to some extent. Right, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you that. Okay, thank so, you. It's a, it's, a stretch, <laughs> it's a stretch, but I'll give you a couple points for that. Thank you. So, so Nicole and I were talking about this. Putting that on the chalkboard. Back, back at work, you know, the place we used to go when we could leave our house. Um, we Never were talking. I, would miss her. That's so you know, I went to a lot of other places besides there. I mean, we, we, we were talking about the fact that these, these narrative, the voices, didn't really change much from one character to the other. Jojo and the mother sounded kind of the same. There wasn't much of a difference. Um, I mean, the only the only one that was different was the um, was, uh, the ghost. Yeah, yeah. And, Richie. And, and Richie. And and one of the things that bothered me about that was like, okay, you're gonna throw this whole um, you know uh, uh, um, ghost thing in here, and that, that's fine. I'm I'm down with that. But you know, the whole weird world that he lives in with birds and and the ground and i just thought like that was so far afield from what was going on with the rest of the story you know it just seems so strange you know i understand that he's living this other metaphysical realm from the other characters but it just i just thought okay i okay great i understand you want to get to this whole singing thing he's got to sing whatever 
you know, I just, I, I didn't feel like it was necessary to like go into pages upon pages of I'm in the dirt and then I hear this and then the, I'm in the dirt and I'm above the dirt. And you know, it's, um, I don't know. It bothered well, me. I, I could tell you this. I think the one thing that was done well in this book was like towards the end, the whole concept of, um, you know, the, the, the dead needing to sort of heal mm-hmm. um, yeah. their suffering needing to be healed by song. Um, yeah. And like, so like at the end when the, the sister sings them, you know, sort of um, to into this peacefulness as they walk away, um, it says Kayla sings and the multitude of ghosts lean forward, nodding. They smile with something like remembrance, something like ease. And so there's a sense of peace brought to them. Like their stories need to be told. And that being the thing that sort of eases their pain, that they're allowed at least that, that their stories, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole, and, and that's where the novel, the title comes in really mm-hmm. and makes it, you know, sort of poignant and, and a little bit interesting. It's just getting well, getting well, to that, that moment also, was tough. That also came from the Iliad too, didn't it? There was like some allusion to the Iliad. I, you know what? I don't know. I haven't read the Iliad and like, <laughs> I don't know. And I didn't do research on this book except for the fact we're that we're not we're not well, classics. Look, yeah, I'm, I'm not. You're talking, about, you're talking about southern movies that have to do, you know, southern things that have to do with the Iliad. Yeah, you know, I, I think we could talk. We oh, could find oh, out. And, and if I had to reread oh, the well, Iliad, yeah. if I had but, to reread but, but the also, Iliad for I this, they, the idea of like singing too, like don't. Um, if we think about um, kind of historically the role of song in um, um, like during slavery and like the importance right. of that to kind of express themselves where there was no other way of expressing themselves and um, kind of that was the way of like storytelling and um, kind of catharsis for them. And I right. thought that that was an important component of what she was trying to present there. I, yeah, um, I mean, and I thought that was the only I, important I component. What, I That's the point. We're saying. Sorry, Tom. No, and I, that was my point, is that that was the one thing that yeah. was done well in the book. No, I hear what both of you are saying. I, I just, I think that the better, the better version of this, the, the, my, my, my favorite thing about it and uh, the, about the ghost thing and, and what the ghost needs in order to actually rest is that it reminds me of, um, oh, what was that Nicole Kidman movie where, with the ghosts? Um, the Others? Know? Yes. So The Others. I mean, so what... Nicole Kidman and you know this is the whole reveal and the other characters don't understand is that they're already dead they don't understand how they died and and that I thought was you know one of the more interesting things about this is that the the you know the the, the ghost didn't understand what happened to him he didn't understand why you know the 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 grandfather had abandoned him he didn't know um for some reason um that the grandfather's uh you know role in in his death he just he didn't understand it and you know to get to that point seemed to be the most more interesting thing to me i thought that dragging the song into it yes i saw your point about you know history and slavery and song and all that but i thought that that was i don't know it just seemed a little contrived i think it's also odd that the brother given doesn't have more prominence in the story that this ghost Richie is the more prominent figure. Well, the brother does ease the mother's mother into death, which I thought was kind of interesting. Right. Doesn't that happen? Or am I not remembering this? I I thought that was fairly strange to be honest. I thought that was fair. You don't care that much about the grandmother because you haven't spent any time with like, I would have rather them just not gone on that road trip at all. (laughs) Well, that I think was one of the, I think that that was for me, one of the criticisms that I had of this is that she packed so much into 
there were so many like different plot lines that she tried to consolidate into this book where I felt like you're right. Like the whole issue, the whole side story with ma'am being sick and dying and then having like given, like take her into, you know, take her onto death. Like I felt like that was, it could have been an, a, a totally separate story. Um, so I think that there was a lot. So at the beginning when I tried to like describe what this book was about, there's so many different like side plots that it's hard to, um, yeah, I, yeah again, this is so it's so disjointed that I'm surprised that it was so lauded. I just uh, I don't get it. Well, one of the things that I that I really did like about this book, and I it came up when I was reading the NPR review of this book, where they had described the reason for the character seeing ghosts is because um, they know that history and present are the same, which I thought was like a really interesting concept because if we're looking at this book, it's kind of uh, a contemporary kind of criticism of um, the kind of social inequities that have always existed for the black community, especially the Southern black community. Um, you know, the 1940s when Richie was in Parcham um, Farm, the prison, um, and, you know, his death, not much has changed for a lot of black men, even though it's now in, you know, at this point of the book, it's 2017. Um, and so I thought that using the ghost to kind of reflect on that was an interesting <laughs> way to approach it. Yeah, I like there is a connection between those two characters. Any, anybody have more to say it? about this? I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Can we read it? guys. <laughs> well, we did get 30 minutes almost, oh, 25 minutes no, out of this book. I, I, no, that was I, a great conversation. I thought this conversation was going to last five minutes. About how much we were able to recall. Yeah. Uh, I'm also impressed that we're doing this completely social distancing and that's working out. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you want me to go first? Go yeah, go. I'll give it. I'll give it two wines, a two generous two wines. I give Generous it two wines. I give it two wines as well. Um, it was my reread, and like I said, I wouldn't have chosen to reread it. I don't think it's, it's like I said, not the worst thing I've ever read. But lately, I feel like a lot of books that have been picking up awards, I've been reading a lot of contemporary stuff. They don't. I just don't know why they they get the praise that they do. And I think the ideas that she's working with are so important, and I appreciate that. But stylistically, it just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't stay with me as an important voice, and I might not necessarily read another work of hers. Twice. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I, I am also going to give it two wines because, again, like I said, even though it it uh, pained me, you know, for the first third of the book. After that, once it got to the ghost and the whole uh, grandfather story, and the whole story of the prison and the dogs and running the dog, I, I felt like that was the more interesting thing. It was, and I I did like that, and um, so I'll, I would give her I'll, I'll give her points for that. So two wines is enough for me. All right, so I'm going to give it two and a half because I did read it before and I did like it. I don't think it's an amazing book, um, but I do enjoy it. I do like um, I like her lyrical style, although I think at some points it became a little overwrought um but i do like her style of writing and i do like the themes that she's introducing in this book and even though that they do um they are kind of portrayed better in other works i 
I did enjoy this book, so I'm going to give it two and a half. So can can I uh, can I call Erin out on making us read a two and a half wine book after she's <laughs> read it before? Did, did your wines decrease after this conversation? Or... <laughs> well, no, so they, because they I'm only decreased... making you read something if it's like three and a half, four. They, they, so my first reading of it, I think I liked it more than my second reading of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because my first reading of it was just a read. And my second reading of it, I realized that the research. rest of us were going to be reading it. No, <laughs> and, and, well, yes, but I also did more research on it. And so kind of integrating that into my thought process. All so right. I think going into it, I would have given it a three. So got it. All right. So let's also, um... two. It was my theme. I, I was going to say like Aaron, I think is the best at thematically connecting works than any of us and i think thank that, you like, you really are oh yeah <laughs> but i think hey, that, listen like, i i believe the listeners would disagree you know hello superman episode uh, <laughs> that's true the, the people have spoken <laughs> but um so i think suck like it, you might not have tongue. wanted to your vision <laughs> once you had it all <laughs> right so, exactly exactly i understand <laughs> Well, all right, so let's take a little bit of a break, right? And uh, we're going to jump into um, 16 Horsepower's Sackcloth and Ashes. Be right back. All right, right, Erin, we are back. So um, talk to us about the album. All right, so um, the album that I chose is um, 16 Horsepower's Sackcloth and Ashes, which is their, um, let's see, it was their 1996 um, debut full-length studio album. Um, 16 Horsepower is considered kind of an American alternative country group, although I don't really know exactly what that means. Um, And I know Jeff would automatically love it because of that, because I know how much Jeff loves country. Um, They were together, the band was together 1992 to 2005 when they broke up. And I had initially um, chosen this album um, when I was kind of thinking more along the lines of like a Southern Gothic kind of theme, um, because this album kept coming up as like um, one of the kind of earliest albums in the kind of American Gothic, Southern Gothic type of, um, Gothic Americana type of, um, music. So that's why I went with, uh, this one. Um, so when we had done our last episode, we had done Nick Cave and, um, this band actually lists Nick Cave as one of its influences. Oh, wait, um, not and just one of his influences, Nick Cave and also this, the birthday party. The birthday party, yes. And they, I think, had the Bad Seeds manager and toured with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds for a while. So I thought that was also kind of a nice little, uh, you know, continuity from the last episode since you mentioned Jeff. So So you're not only like keeping thematic within your episode, you're attaching your (laughs) themes to my episode. That's great. You're like a vine. You're like this vine that just climbs the trees and chokes it to death. You've choked you've choked the Southern Gothic. (laughs) Well I like I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna gonna come back to the choking later on. (laughs) But anyway, continue, Aaron. No, no. So that's kind of it. So, um, so why don't why don't we go with you, Jeff? Since it sounds like you've got some thoughts. Um, no, actually, I don't have a lot. Um, my main thought was this: when I was whoa, whoa, slow down for a second. You're breaking up. So do something different. Yeah. 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 Take a step back to wherever it was you were before. (laughs) I am over here. You're good. Better. 
All right. Yeah. So um, it, my thought about this was when I was listening to this album, do you guys remember when I made you listen to that Loop album? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel felt your pain when I was listening <laughs> to this album because the droning, you know, non-song uh, structure, um, you know, sort of whiny vocal, you know, just going nowhere songs mm-hmm. um, uh, was a, was just something that just broke me with this album. Like I just I like, you know, at least with the Loop album, it was heavy, you know, and it had, so it was something that I kind of liked, but this just killed me. Like, you know, if you're going to take banjo or, um, um, you know, hurdy gurdy, um, for five minutes of droning going nowhere, I am not coming along with you, (laughs) you know? And, uh, and, and that's, that's pretty much what I got out of, out of this album is that, you know, and I don't have much, much more to add is just that, you know, I, I see, I could see how some people would like it. I could see how some people would be interested in it. Just like, you know, I made the same argument for the Loop album, but I mean, like, you know, come on, make a song. What's wrong with making a song? <laughs> oh, I feel like they, ma- I feel like they definitely made a song. They made it like twelve times. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again and again. Yeah. And again. Right. Yeah. It blends together. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I, I would say, Jeff, that my argument's a little bit different than yours, but. I would say that actually uh, the first time I listened to it, the first time I listened to it, I liked, I I was like, all right, this is pretty good. Um, And, and one of the things I would say about this album is that I think it's very ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is a a sound that is, what year did this come out? 96. 96. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's ahead of its time because I, I think automatically when I hear this like sort of Southern Gothic, you know, country, um, all country like song or even country song that's very dark i think of um it it brought me right to the true blood theme song the jace everett song you know what i'm talking about yeah so it sounds that jace everett song sounds like it could it's like completely like you know borrowing from this which is interesting because i almost picked the handsome family because they also had a song for uh what was it true detective right what was that show on uh hbo yes true detective yeah. yeah yeah And so I feel like this is long before all of those shows with all of the music that came along with those shows um, and and those artists. So I thought it was definitely ahead of its time and what it was trying to do. I'm not just I'm just not like a huge fan of doing it like every song starts to sound the same. I yeah. like the first song. I like it lyrically. It's 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 kind of interesting. It's haunting. And the problem is, when I was taking notes on this album, the word haunting came up so many times. I was like, if this is all I have to say about it, it's not good because every yeah. the sound is it's it's just you know sonically, it's not expanding the sonic palette. It's it's really narrow, and it's so narrow that every song does become repetitive. And when yeah. you like the first three songs, the next three songs you like a little bit less, and then the the next three you like even less, and then the 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 fourth quarter of songs is really kind of boring. Yeah. So that's where I was. That's where I fell with this. Um, I totally agree with you. I feel like um, you expanded upon what I had to say, and but I mean, like you know, you're a little more generous than me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, I I can appreciate the musicality of it. You know, it's just that, like, like I said, I mean, like, you know, or like you said, there's a lot of alt country that has come out over the years, you know, that does a lot more and expands a lot more on, you know, what there is to play with than this does. 
like you know if you go into again our, our go-to here on 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 the show uh wikipedia you know they say <laughs> that 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 i think this guy's this guy's grandpa was a uh, a preacher um mm-hmm. or, or something like that and you know i see that but does that have to be every song you know yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you can look to um, the second song, which is about sort of, he like sort of takes on the point of view of um, Abel, the Cain and Abel story. Uh-huh. And um, and then, you know, he's talking about the devil being inside of all of us, which I can appreciate. I understand it's a very Nick Cave song. <laughs> um, I get it. And it's Black Soul Choir, which is great because it turns the choir into and puts turns it on its head. And that's interesting. But the problem is, it seems like that again becomes every song, and I there are certain things that I like. Like I love the shuffle of the drums, and I and how it sort of like sort of moves into um, this this very alt country sound. So it takes like this like sort of shuffle dirge and project takes us into a different like sort of um, atmosphere. But you know, again, this keeps happening, and the banjo is cool. And then there's even like on the third song, there's surf rock. Like chord structure, which was cool, but we it, they keep coming back to all of these things, and they just become tropes, and it's it's not as yeah. fun after the first or second listen of this album. And I listened to it like a number of times over the last few months since Aaron picked it. Um, I did lose sort of. Is Jeff playing guitar over there? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. I was going to, I mean, you know, I knew someone was, and I, I process of elimination figured it wasn't Aaron and Nicole. Yeah, so, no, not me. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm bo- I'm boring you, Jeff. Uh, but... <laughs> no, I'm just in the basement. I'm just tooling around. All right. So, yeah, and and that's that's what happens. It, it ends up like that. It ends up, you know, the banjo patterns are, are interesting, but the banjo patterns then recur in every song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have too much more to add. Um, <laughs> like you guys said, pretty much everything. And I think Tom and I were talking about it. And it's not like anything you might necessarily put on for somebody else. Like, oh, you got to check this out. But it has a cool sound. Like if I was like isolated in a cabin in the woods and feeling like murderous, I might put it on. <laughs> I think that if you were isolated in a cabin in the woods and you played this enough times, it would make you murderous. <laughs> you know, they, they really like, they really need to like find some hooks. That's the problem. This is yeah. an album. Yeah. This yeah. is an album yeah. with no hooks. There are no yeah. hooks. It needs some pop sensibility as much as I hate pop. It needs something yeah. to grab you and it doesn't have it. Yeah. You, you, again, that's what I'm saying is that song structure is, I mean, like you can, you can take something out, you know, every once in a while and, and, and have something be a dirge. And, but that can't be your entire, you know, your entire album. You can't, you can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Who, who the hell cares after some point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, so this album was 13 songs long and 12 of the 13 to me sounded Breaking so up, breaking up. You're breaking up, Aaron. Sorry. 12 of the 15 songs in this album sounded so incredibly similar to me that it was like, there was almost nothing differentiating them. And then the- Hold up, hold up. You got to find another place just like I did. Can you hear me? Find your happy place, Aaron. Oh, don't say I, that. I haven't Please. moved. I haven't moved. I know. I didn't move your microphone. Broke up, but then I had to go somewhere else. Now I'm somewhere else. Is that better? Got... You're fine. Yes. Okay. So I was saying, like, twelve of the thirteen songs sounded exactly the same, 
and then it was the 13th song which was the i forget the i don't write the name down about the rednecks neck, which sounded, neck on a new blade no neck on a new blade no 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 the uh the redneck song strong man that was the, the one that sold you no 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 and the redneck reel and i thought oh, that redneck one was, reel yeah which that's I not think the 13th because, song though no, no no it was the the other song that's the 10th not song the tw- well, I just meant it wasn't the. It was there were twelve songs that sounded the just, same. Just, just let your own talk. Jesus, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> this was the remaining song that sounded different, but I thought it was actually the worst of the thirteen. Wait, um, redneck real? Yeah. It starts with it starts um, as rawhide with the yeehaw. Yeah, it has, it has a hoedown kind of vibe. Right, yes. and so, and I think that I liked it the least because the rest of the album had was kind of an was in a minor key i would you know and so it had kind of this feel to it where this one the feeling of it totally shifted and so even though all of the other songs sounded the same at least it kind of felt thematic to me whereas redneck reel just kind of just felt hokey to me Mm -hmm. but i agree with everything that you guys were saying like after a while they just became so redundant and even like within the lyrics like i did as i went through and i read the lyrics there was just the same kind of imagery and um, intention in each of them, and it didn't really felt feel like it grew at all. Um, it was just a, it felt very one note to me. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So why, Jeff? So you why wanna... did you choose this album again? What's that? It's, it's a, did... the theme. Very it's a well thorough done. thematic <laughs> research. That's what this gotcha. is. Sometimes yeah, right. theme isn't the best way of picking no, good okay. stuff. It's, it's okay. We all we all have our, our bad choices. No, I had never I had never listened to this before. Oh so, really? So, yeah, no. Oh, okay. So it oh, wasn't I'm so, like I'm I. Sorry. Yeah, but no. Then I, I had then, then I definitely give you points for for you know going outside the box. Yeah, no. But I Jeff, wanted to try to find something. As we've as we've noted, you know, even if she did listen to it, she might have still subjected it subjected us to it after reading <laughs> Sing Unburied Sing and recommending that one for the uh That was not nearly as bad as this one was. Oh actually actually I could I'll get through this that. I could get through this album much pain more painlessly with than reading that whole book. So No, oh, I, no I felt like this was this this was a this was a slog. I, I would rather yeah. I would rather read the book again than listen to this album again. Really? All right. So hmm. so we so we vote so we uh give our ratings for this one? What's yours, Aaron? Yeah. Mine? Yeah. I would give this, I'm torn between a 1 and a 1.5. Oh, that's low. And I, yeah, mm. I, I think I would give it a 1.5 um, because there were some songs on it that I enjoyed and my first listen through, I did like it. Um, I thought it was an okay album, um, but listening to it more than once, it just became so repetitive to me and I just found it not something I would want to listen to again. Even though I can understand why people would like it. It just was not something I enjoyed. So, 1.5. Hmm. Nicole? Tom. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, Jeff, who's who's hosting this thing? This is sorry. Oh, can I just, can I just say, because there was one thing that I wanted to point out that I didn't mention. Um, when I was reading the reviews for this, NME said that... Um, called it great music for a claustrophobic movie but otherwise it's a five out of ten which i just thought was so perfect because that's exactly what it felt like to me yeah i can see it being the soundtrack to a film definitely by the way i see it as being the soundtrack to winter's bone but we'll get there well yeah (laughs) Yeah. this is why i'm good at picking themes exactly (laughs) 
Um, right, sorry, Nicole. I'm going to give it a one, I think, just Ooh. because I don't know. It's not it's not horrible, but, like, I don't think I'm ever going to listen to it again. Not because it's bad. Yeah, no. Like, when am I ever going to be in the mood unless I'm murderous in a cabin? So well, I don't... right, and that could be sooner than you expect, Nicole. Yeah, you and, never know. Well, it could you be. You could see your, like, right now. We're not quite into the murderous insanity of this quarantine, but... Until you get this album on, and that, it's on, baby. This and a little moonshine, and then just who knows what could happen. Yep. <laughs> and then before you know it, hello, Lloyd. Little Nazarene, <laughs> little Nazarene preaching. Right. So, you know, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. It's just not something I think I'm ever going to return to, so I can't read it too highly. It wasn't the most painful thing I've had to listen to for this podcast either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff, I'm giving it. I'm giving it a point five. Oh my god! Um, yeah, it's just a, I. I don't. I didn't find anything redeeming about it at all. I mean, like, yeah, I guess there's some you know great musicality or whatever. But I mean, like, it's just like you said. It's it's a one note um, for the whole goddamn album. You know, except for that one hoedown. <laughs> you know. All right, I'm going to... just... Yeah. Go. I'm giving it a two, but I think a two is pretty bad. Um, so I'm giving it a two because I gave the book a two. And uh, it's, it's about... I actually kind of enjoyed this a little better than the book, to be honest with you. I just wouldn't, I, again, like Nicole said, I wouldn't, I'm not going to, I don't foresee myself ever throwing this on again, but I'm not throwing on anything that's a two in my life. You know what I mean? If, if there's a record that I own that's a two, I'm probably not ever going to play it. Mm. So that's right. it. I well, mean, it's my, know, it's my own. That's it's my a two own. to you. I mean, like, you know, we've already had our disagreements about Van Morrison and... Dude, don't 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 start. You want to you want to fight? You want to have a, a a social distancing fist fight? Is that what you want? Um, is that what you're doing? You start. You feel safe there. You feel safe because you're not in the room. You feel safe. You're gonna start with Van Morrison. Don't mess with Van Morrison. Um, all right. So yeah, you know that's it. That's it. Uh, no one really liked this album all that much. I didn't think it was terrible. I just didn't. But I didn't think it was terrible. I just I'm just not. I'm just kind of after a while. I just don't care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just too repetitive. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's a uh, little two minute break and uh, we get to Winter's Bone or should we roll right through? No, I gotta hit the bathroom. All right. Thank All you. Right. Thank you for that well, we'll information, Jeff. <laughs> sure. We shall take I'm a break. Taking, by the way, I'm taking you all with me. <laughs> no thanks. And we're back with Winter's Bone, Aaron. Talk to us. Thank God All right. stop so I can go to the bathroom. Thank God. And thank God nobody had to hear that. So. All right. So, Somebody uh, did. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> all right. So Winter's Bone is a 2010 film by uh, Deborah Granick. It was adapted from the 2006 book of the same name by uh, Daniel Woodrell. Mm -hmm. um, it takes place in the Ozarks in southwestern Missouri. It's um, following a 17-year-old Ree Dolly who um, looks after her brother, her sister, her mentally ill mother. She's basically like the head of the household. Her father has like gone off somewhere. And one day a sheriff comes to her and says, you know, you've got to find your father because he's used your house as like collateral or put your house up for bond for um, and if we don't 
see him soon, you're going to be evicted. So she goes out to look for her father. And basically, it is the story of her going from house to house, visiting all of her various drug dealing, drug using kin to try to find her missing father. Um, so that is the intro into Winter's Bone. So I think you guys have, some of you have seen this before, yes? I had seen it. I think Tom, I yeah. had seen it, yeah. Oh, this right. the first time I saw it. All right. So, Jeff, then. What do you think? Well, at first, you know, I, I watched the wrong movie. Um, <laughs> what did you, there, you watch the porn, right? I'm afraid to <laughs> ask. There was an adult <laughs> film. It was about a woman who uses her wiles to find out about her father. And uh, <laughs> oh, the end, the thing that they have to cut off him at the end is, <laughs> was not his hands. No. Um, just saying. Um, no, but anyway. Um, no, I, Family I, friendly. The, <laughs> I didn't say anything specifically terrible, Tom. Um, no, it, it, the the movie um, actually this is out of the three things that you have chosen. This is my favorite. Um, it is really uh, beautifully shot. Um, there's a lot of a, a lot of really amazing um, film in here, um, and uh, specifically going back to that that last scene when they do have to take the you know the evidence of the father. Um, I think that was my favorite part was the oil on the water, mm-hmm. you know, a- after that scene ends. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was impressive. I, I, I like the movie a lot. Um, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. I don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was Jennifer Lawrence's breakout role. Yeah. Um, and I you know, think and, and that's the funny thing is I, I had not I had seen her in a lot of movies since then and a lot of you know superhero movies and a lot of other frivolous kind of things and um, I had no idea that uh, you know that she had this kind of depth I thought it was a I, I thought it was great I liked it yeah. a lot I mean I think that she was I, I thought she was phenomenal in this movie and I think um, what you were saying Jeff like just the way that it was shot I thought the cinematography was fantastic I think the the bleakness of yeah. the uh, scenes really captured just kind of the spirit of the movie as well yeah I mean um, that 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 actually that right there what you just said it, it is one of the most important things is like the the stillness that is captured in some of like you know when when she is she's clearly she's desperate she doesn't know what to do and she's in this horrible situation and there are just some of these scenes that are just like ordinary everyday things where she's making lunch for the kids that she has to care for or you know just trying to do something around the house that it just settle on like you know the mundane aspects and then you see her and in her in you know her what i think is a great um, example of minimalist acting, just the desperation in, you know, she doesn't know what to do or how to do it, you know, and the fact that she's such a young person put upon to take care of all of this is, uh, it was impressive. Anyway, that's all I got. I I would say that Jeff's, I would agree with Jeff that Jennifer Lawrence, it's funny because this is the only thing I've ever seen Jennifer Lawrence in. (gasps) Oh, You've she's never... great. She's great as Mystique in the X Men movies. I'm sure she's fantastic. <laughs> um, she's a shape shifting. Um... I don't care. <laughs> I don't even know she was in any X Men movies. I didn't either. So yeah. So and I've never seen Hunger Games. So I, I 
but this oh, is my this is my experience with Jennifer Lawrence, and don't, I saw this one like you know when it first came out, went to video, and um, it's I really liked it a lot, and I I re when I rewatched it, the one thing I thought was like wow it is slow, and I didn't feel that the first time, but I guess upon rewatching it, it is kind of a slow movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still it's still a good movie, and she's great in it. Um, and the way it is shot, like I think, like part of that, like in that sort of depressing. So they're using like this gray blue filter throughout the whole yeah. thing to give it its bleakness, which is really interesting and and uh, and makes sense and it works. Um, you know, the, I think the acting was is it John Hawks, Jeff, the guy who's in Deadwood. Is that his name? Yeah. He's mm-hmm. greatness. Like I yeah, love him awesome. in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there's a lot of there's a lot of funny things because Nicole and I watched. No, he, he, he's great because you initially think that he's going to be like this predatory kind of like like uh, you know um, um, character um, to her, and it totally ends up being uh, completely opposite of that. And that actually is my favorite part of the movie is in the end you realize that he is he's resigned himself that he's he's going to die. He's going right. to go and you know. But not yeah, before he plays some banjo. Right. Oh yeah, his oh, banjo. Wow. The movie ends yeah, with banjo, right. which is it just totally. Aaron just perfected the link between everything with the banjo. <laughs> Thank you. No, the, 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 this is this is the best pick out of the three. It's just you really can't argue about this one. No, no, it's it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. It is. Um, I, yeah, I just have basically the same stuff to say as Tommy because it was the second time I had seen it. And I guess it did seem a little slower upon the second watch because definitely the first time you watch it, you're, it has shock value, especially that scene where she retrieves her father's arms. You're just like, (laughs) holy shit, what am I watching? The first time you see it. Um, but then the second time you're viewing it, you know that it's coming to that. So it's a little slower, but I do like the world that it explores. I like that it's sort of like this it's almost like a sort of tribalism lawlessness Mm -hmm. um i like the role that women play in um the movie even though they're except for reed the rest of them still are subservient to men like they're subservient to thump milton like they're he has like his women that stand up for him against her um I said to Tom that whoever did the wardrobe did a great job. There's a lot of Carhartt. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole's comment was, "There's a there's a lot of Carhartt in this movie." And also, too, I, there were a lot of the the actors in this movie were not actually actors; that they were real people, like oh, they were just like locals that. who <sighs> they picked. Which I mean, I think adds to how genuine this movie feels. Like you know, like when you listen to some movies where they are trying to put on this accent, you know, regional accent. I mean, it's like spot on in this movie. Like the, everything just felt so genuine to the time and the place. Um, and I think part of that is because they did just pick these random people who lived in the community. That's cool. I didn't know that. And that is true. It does. It, it never seems put on at any point when you're watching it. Can, it can like I a take a very authentic exploration of, that world can i take this moment to coin a genre be like you know at the forefront of uh cinematic criticism yeah american gothic meth (laughs) neorealism 
like this it. is the this is the movie that begins it. This it begat it begat all of it begat Breaking Bad and it begat all of the stuff that's come after. Jeff, you have Winter's Bone to thank. No, I, I already told you. I agree. I think this is a great movie. But I mean, like you know, one of the interesting things about like you know your your. I, I guess the, the 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 hold on a second. I gotta move. It's a little too echoey over here. You actually sounded fine. No, yeah. no I, I don't sound good to me. Um, am I okay? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the the weird things about and um, this is a, a, a funny uh, a David Cross, the comedian thing, is when he talks about this uh, the southern accent or you know what you would think of as a southern accent. He says that, that this is not something that is exclusive to the South. It's just something that exists outside of urban areas. And this is turns out to be absolutely true. I mean, like, if you go I, – I went up uh, north, maybe 20 miles north of here, and uh, Patterson to try to find myself some uh, paper products. Um, and uh, every other guy was wearing a trucker cap. Uh, had a three-day beard, uh, was wearing Carhartt that was covered in mud. <laughs> Gotta that have was, Carhartt. <laughs> that, was covered, that was covered in mud. Um, <laughs> every year I go to, um, I go to, uh, we go to this uh, golf weekend with a couple friends of mine from Buffalo, but the place we go is this weird resort that's on the border of Pennsylvania and uh, southern the southern tier. Um, and we go to these local bars and it's the same thing. You know, uh, there's a certain thing that's not maybe Southern Gothic as so much as it is rural poor, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that's what what is the, the continuity between your choices this, yeah. this, this right. month. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that's why, you know, it felt more like this kind of dark Americana to me. Like, in kind of stepping back and reviewing all of the things together, it looks at these... Um, kind of themes of America from this more rural, kind of poor, kind of um, no, like because destitute. I, I, I always tell I always tell everybody, you know, because you know it, we live on in the in the outskirts of of New York City. I mean, we're a good distance away, but I mean, like you know, honestly, because the the train goes there and everybody works there, you know, every, every other person works there. That's what we are, pretty much. Yeah, right. You know. And, um, you know, what people don't realize is that even, you know, where you guys, where, where, where you guys over are over there in Ridgefield, I'm maybe 10 miles a little bit up north in Brewster, but where I just went to go get groceries today, I had to pass by three farms, you know, to get there. And, you know, it's, that is most of our country is not this, this urban area, not this suburban area, but the kind of stuff we're talking about now. Right. You know, like even um, when, and I always point this out to my son when we we go to visit um, my in-laws um, down in Florida. You know, they live a good distance away from Disney World. We go to Disney World, you know, and then we drive back to their senior community in Poinciana. And in the space between one place and the other, it's a lot of trailer homes, a lot of you know busted down vehicles in front of houses. And again, you know, it's it's more of our country than you'd imagine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what did you say? I I lost you at Disney World. 
<laughs> I was talking about I said something about Superman and then I <laughs> about the Marvel Universe. So Jeff, do you want to start with rating this movie? Um yeah, I'm gonna give this movie a four. Four ones. Oh, wow. A four what? Wait, are we we're at a four, correct? Yeah. Holy yeah. Jesus. Oh wow, that's that's high praise. Okay. Well Jeff, you've never given anything a four. No, that's not true. Well maybe like no. Radiohead, like OK Computer, I think. He gave my friend Zomer a four. Yeah. Really? <laughs> How do you remember this? Oh my god. I can't even remember what I gave like the book today. I think only because I was astonished that Jeff gave something a four. That's that that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I give this a four because like I said, in those in those still moments, you know, when when um you know, she's uh when the the Jennifer Lawrence character is just absolutely, you know, at what is she seventeen years old? Yeah. The, yeah, seventeen yeah. year a seventeen year old trying to figure out how the hell to keep her her family afloat. And, you know, meanwhile her you know, younger siblings are bouncing on a trampoline that you have no idea how the hell they afford, even though they can't they can only afford, you know, like the most rudimentary sandwiches. Um it's just like <laughs> It, it's it's a beautiful it's it's a beautiful thing and it i think that like it it captures a certain desperation that is very true for uh, the uh, the cross section of the country that they're talking about Fair okay enough. that's i'm yeah. pretty impressed that you gave this a four i was shocked that really. i not impressed i but thought you were gonna say you were pretty impressed that i spat that out after three bottles of wine <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> That's the most articulate you have ever been, Joe. I know. Thanks. You know what the first three letters in articulate are. Damn right. All right. Um, Tom! You want my... All right, I'm going to give this a three. Uh, I think it's a good movie. Um, I mean, I would reserve fours for, um, you know, classics, but, like, this is a good movie, so I give this a three. That's it. I think I give it a three too, only because it was my second watch of it. And like we were saying, it, it is really good. And everything that Jeff is saying is totally accurate. Like it is an important window into an experience that is true for many Americans. And so I think it, it may have a classic status because of that, but it's not something that I necessarily want to watch again and again. And to give something a four, it'd be like, Oh, I, like I will watch that on repeat multiple times, but like it's Mandy. a great. Oh no, I, yeah. I like would, Mandy. I, like Mandy. I, Mandy's I a four. Clarify, I, I, just because I'm giving something a four doesn't mean I want to watch it again the, and again. What the hell I'm, are you I'm giving just, it a four for? What kind of merit. rating? <laughs> what kind of rating? It's a very misleading rating, then. We all know that these ratings mean <laughs> These ratings <laughs> mean everything. The, the one thing I, that I would watch what we've again learned again would be like Goodfellas, and I'm giving that a six. Yeah, but if it's only at a four, you got to give Goodfellas the four, and then uh, no, Goodfellas as a six. I've already watched Goodfellas in quarantine. (laughs) Oh, so beautiful! Uh, All right, well, I I'm giving this a three point five because I think that there's very little about it that I could find fault with. I think it's a fantastic movie. The only I but the reason I just wouldn't give it a four is because I probably 
I mean, I've seen it before. This is the second time I've watched it, but it is kind of slow in its pacing and it's not necessarily a movie that you're going to pick up and watch at any point in time. Um, but I think it's a really beautifully um, shot, well-acted movie. And I think there's very little that I would critique about it. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm giving it the four just because it was it was a surprise. I didn't expect to be this impressed by by this movie. But you know, you no, know, you know what so this excited, movie does? Jeff. This movie does create also. It's responsible for the crazy meth matriarch character, yeah. right? Meth just exploded. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like I, think I, of Ozark. Think of Ozark and that crazy woman. Tom, you've yeah. you've coined yeah, a yeah. genre. Yes, yeah, I'm in the middle of Ozark right now, and um, oh. You know, children need sunlight to grow. <laughs> you, you know, Jeff, you know the character I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I forget her name, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's the, those are the three works. Hopefully, we're going to bring a bunch more episodes at you a little bit faster than we have in the last three months. Since we're all uh, Since home we... at this point in time. Exactly. Yeah, we got nothing else to I do. Could, <laughs> I could literally, I mean, you know, I could bring something on a weekly basis because there's outside of uh work we're home a lot yeah yeah i mean still that doesn't make for i mean you have how many children at home tom i think i'm pretty sure you have six kids um, i have three but you know you're no, you, you've drank three bottles of wine so maybe that goes no, to six. Tom, has three, tom has three kids but they they have the activity level of six that's true that is true yes yeah. i mean they're wonderful kids i, I you know they're delightful and they're amazing, but you know, seriously, I don't know how you do it. How does anybody do it? I don't know. I do. I, I do I, it with I, one wine for each of them. By escaping to their backyard and making second fire pits. That's right. Yep. I do miss the experience. Come on, man, come on, you guys, you kids have to work harder. Uncle Jeff has a lot of stuff to break. We have, we have, we've done a lot of making the kids work. Like we 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 decided like it's like a little house on the prairie. We're all gonna go out and and till the soil and and live Your off the land. <laughs> we really. No, my, my 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 now almost fourteen year old was um was very surprised when I told him that like look we're cleaning the yard today and um it's like oh no I'll take care of that tomorrow. I'm like no you'll take care of it today otherwise I'm taking away that video game. Console. Yeah no you might as yeah. well use their free labor no. while you can. No, it's, no you're, yeah it's a beautiful day outside and you are gonna stay outside and do a little bit of work. That's that's what we've been doing when you know we're we're enlisting the six set uh six eight nine year old to get in yeah. there. You got to pull Dude, weeds was, and. Yeah grab tools that we need and um you know a little bit of a break for some soccer or baseball but that's no, it. I mean, like he is he he is easily eclipsed by i mean his his two-year-old um sister who always wants to help with everything oh um, i'm emptying <laughs> out the dishwasher i help i help you know she gets endearing oh she's the best yeah Aww. the girl the girls that's dude cute. not for nothing the girls are so much better yeah, like my boys, my boys act. have to be that's forced. What I, realized. I made yeah. a mistake. I need to kill the boy and just focus <laughs> on the girl. That's what uh, it is. They're rough. Yeah, they. I mean, my son would rather play Fortnite, but my daughter's out there helping all the way without even being Aww. asked. No. Um, speaking of Jennifer Lawrence, my daughter, who is nine, just started reading The Hunger Games because Ooh. I thought, you know, what better to approach this, you know, shit show <laughs> than reading about another shit show <laughs> so she started to prepare her erin is that is that age appropriate is that i guess that's something we could go with 
you know, it's a scholastic book, so I figured, why the I, fuck not? Yeah. Like, I, I, no, I'm not. I, I didn't even think of it, but like, I, I get it. Yeah, like, I, it's not like my kids aren't censored all that much, but yeah, no, she's uh, she's digging it. She's really into it. That's and cool. We, right, just, just make sure, it. make sure if you want to show her Witcher's Bone that she watches the right movie because when yeah, oh, no, God. Th- yeah. yeah because, uh, because, because Winter's Boner was a definitely a different movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, well, we won't make that mistake. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Should we get into our uh, recommendations? Sure. Winter's Boner is a... <laughs> <laughs> Jeff has officially completed four bottles of wine. <laughs> Jeff, you want to start? No, yeah, I do. Um, no, actually, uh, skip ahead because I want to make sure I have the uh, the titles right. Go ahead. Somebody else. I, I'll give mine since it's right in front of me. Um, so this actually is a little bit appropriate, I think, given our current situation. And I had actually started this like months ago. I read this months ago. It's called Medieval Bodies, The Life and Death, Life and Death in the Middle Ages by Jack Hartnell. And it is um, basically a book that um, looks at how people in the Middle Ages approach disease and health and just all sorts of things approaching um, just daily life. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, and I think it's kind of apropos of what we're going through now in terms of the way that people look at illness and disease. So, so that's my so, recommendation. Medieval so based, bodies. Is that what medieval called? bodies, yeah. So based upon that, you've been balancing your humors? I've been balancing my humors, yes. Very right. good, Jeff. Yep. <laughs> Tom? I don't know. I thought I heard some coyotes, but... I thought, <laughs> I thought I heard... It was my kids. I, I, thought, that, I thought that was children. I think, it is, I think it is my kids, but there could be... There have been a, a, a pack of coyotes that have been coming through my yard. And so yesterday, they came through, and two of my kids went running... We didn't see them, but the neighbors did, and they were screaming at the coyotes so that the coyotes would take off. But we had our second fire. We had two fire pits going at once, so I'm pretty sure the fire, the coyotes are afraid of fire and smoke. So we, we, we fended them off with our ability to just light fires everywhere. Um, and so this is our strategy. We may have a third fire pit by the end of the month um, or by tomorrow. So many chairs to break. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, all right, so um, where I am is, let's see, I, I wanted to recommend Execution a Song, because Nicole recommended <gasps> that. I love that book, it's so good. So you read that too, Erin? Yes, I love it. And it's great, and I'm in the midst of it, I'm only like maybe 220 pages into it. and you it's like a thousand more to go. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I've got like 800 more to go. It doesn't ever let up, though. Um, no, it and it's great. The whole way. It's great. But I'm and then I said I'm not done with it, so I'm not gonna recommend it. But that was my little plug. Like but you secret. Wanted to sneak it in there. Yeah, I wanted to sneak it in there. It was my, my cheat. So good. What yeah. I am going to recommend, and I know Nicole's going to second this one, is um one of the records that I've recently bought in quarantine is Who is William Onyabor? Now this is oh, an artist yeah. that I've known quite well. <laughs> but William Onyabor is a Nigerian sort of psychedelic funk musician who plays around a lot with synthesizers um and he's amazing and he's sort of reclusive but he's also now like really um has sort of sequestered himself in his religious studies and um he is phenomenal if you don't know william on 
check out William on your board. That's O-N-Y-E-A-B-O-R. Amazing, amazing stuff. Um, I just can't wait to, I just used him in the work music league. He's awesome. Don't know. I just got I, kicked out of work musically. Did you know that? I didn't know. What? You did? What was your song? I, I was. Yeah, I got booted. I was wild though. What was oh, yours? Well, screw you. That was terrible. Hey, I, I knew I knew I was going to get kicked what, out. Wait, what was yours, Nicole? Because I didn't even check. Oh, I was wild nothing. Oh, I, I don't remember. That wasn't one of my, my least favorite songs. I know that. No, me and Keith got kicked out. So it oh, I voted for Keith. That I know. Keith's, I Keith's song Keith was too. terrible. Uh, right. So, but I knew I was going to get kicked out, but that's All okay. Right, hold up. This <laughs> is way off of the... There are other people who don't care. Right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway. Jeff is the voice of reason bringing us back. <laughs> Sorry. We just, we're going into a full-on personal tangent. Anyway. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. It, it, we're in we quarantine. We can do that after we cut off. Yes. All right, my recommendation, and it's truly to you guys, but if anybody else wants to follow through, is I watched Uncut Gems, which was directed by the Safety Brothers. Oh, my goodness. I've been, I've been waiting to watch that. It is so good it's is it so really good. it oh. really is it really is um adam sandler stars in it and yeah. he's amazing did and you see it did you see his his uh, was it independent spirit awards um um uh, uh speech no i haven't oh yeah you should i'll yeah. check that because i really like his performance is incredible but the directing is incredible it's just a really good modern gritty new york city movie i don't want to give too much away but basically adam sandler plays a diamond dealer in new york city and he's just kind of a scumbag <laughs> like, that's the best no yeah, so yeah. Uh, uh, sorry to, uh, to, to interject but if you get a chance there is an npr there, there's a um uh, terry gross episode um about this movie w- with the directors um uh who are brothers yeah um who who talk about the, this is the 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 book is i mean the movie's loosely based on their father oh um, okay. yes it is based on a real person yeah yeah and and so like you know they they talk about like their father's shifty life and like it's it's really interesting i recommend that you listen to um um that npr episode um just the before you see the movie I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm very excited about it, you know, and just based upon that and his uh, speech about how pissed off he was that, uh, you know, the movie didn't get the recognition that it should have gotten. It absolutely should have gotten more recognition. Just the directing style is like really like nothing I've ever seen before. It it really is incredible. You can rent it on Prime. The the great thing about his speech about the Independent Spirit Award speech is is that that's his thing is like it's not about him, it's about the fact that the movie is an interesting movie and you know oh of course why would anyone care about it you know it's not it, uh, yeah. as Tom would say it's not a it's not a superhero movie it's not you right. know, a blockbuster you know it's not a right. tearjerker why would you care right yeah. but like you should all watch it like tomorrow it was that good honestly no, when, when i get an adult moment i am out of this, movie. <laughs> this is on the top of my list yeah it's worth it it's definitely yeah. worth watching so that's my very that's big on, recommendation on netflix you can rent it on prime for oh. like three dollars but it's worth yeah. paying for honestly no, there are, there are plenty of movies out there now that uh, that have been in the theater that they've pushed ahead that are yeah worth yeah all right who's next all right that's Jeff. Uh, Jeff. All right. So, um, based upon um, Aaron's, um, um, 
idea for this month. Um, I am going to recommend the author Glenn Taylor. Uh, Glenn with two N's, Taylor. Um, because uh, it, he's, an, he's a guy who um, was born and bred in Appalachia and has written three amazing books that take place in, um, in, in Appalachia. Um, uh, the Marabone Marble Company, and uh, the Ballad of Trenchmouth Taggart, and um, to a lesser extent, maybe a Hanging at Cinder Bottom. And uh, okay. I recommend all three of these books, um, Glenn Taylor. So you know, check those out. I mean, it's just uh, I have I have nothing else to say about it other than you know they don't have any of the the pitfalls that we have discussed about. Um, you know, some of the things we talked about today. Um, I just think these are great books and they're well worth your time. Cool. All right. All right. All right. Um, so that leads us to um, what we have to look forward to next month. All right. That's me. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I played around with this theme a little bit and just changed it at the last minute. I think yesterday, but the book, that I told you guys remains the same. Um, and that's going to be Say Nothing by Patrick Radin Keefe, which is a nonfiction crime book that takes place in Northern Ireland. So I'm my, so excited to read this. I'm really excited. I have to order it, but it's actually, a paperback yeah, that was, now. That, it's actually I just my, ordered, yeah. No, I, I had, a, I had for, for my quarantine time, I had a whole list of books to buy. This was on that on that list before you said it. Oh, I'm glad that everybody already wanted to read it because I just keep reading about how good it is and it's the kind of yeah. thing where you're like, all right, I guess I have to read this. So hopefully it'll be as good as everyone's telling us that it is. Um, so I have a loose theme of UK crime. So my <laughs> my album is going to be The Night Creeper by Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, which Woo! is kind of... I, <laughs> so excited. It's a great. That's my favorite Uncle Tom Acid loves album. Himself some Uncle Acid. They oh my great. god! I'm so excited. Like I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I I, like I'm the, gonna freaking nerd out so hard on this one. Well, like I couldn't <laughs> sleep, uh, and it was like one o'clock, and I was like Uncle Acid, of course, and that's where everything changed. I mean, so. look at the, the title, "The Night Creeper." Oh, oh it's perfect. <laughs> the album cover is beautiful too. It's it like is. um an English Bobby. Like yep. it's awesome. So, and then the film, just because I really want. Tom, I mean, no, Tom, you saw it. I want Jeff and Aaron to watch this. Is the 1973 Wicker Man, not the weird one with Nicolas Cage, the original Damn guy. It. Thank you. <laughs> the original. Although, if you want to watch the Nicolas Cage, no, one, I'm not gonna no. Stop you. <laughs> I am gonna watch. That Wait, one. has Especially have you guys I, have they seen the original? Talk about when we talk about this movie. I am going to talk about the Nicolas Cage one. You guys <laughs> talking about the other one? I'm going to talk about the next I might, <laughs> Well, you have to watch the 73 one nope. directed by Robin Hardy, but I, I might also not. watch the Nicolas Cage. Oh. I've never seen the Nicolas Cage one. I'm, I'm going to do both. I refuse. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to rewatch the 73 one, which I only watched about a week ago. I have seen this movie more times than I would like to. <laughs> but you'll see why. It's, it's, it's interesting. Is this, so, is this going to be like another Mandy? Uh, yes. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. It is going to be like another Mandy, and it's so oh, good. She came and she right. gave without. <laughs> yes, it's so good. 
Yeah, it's we, great. It's awesome. But um, so UK crime is the overall very loose theme that's connecting these three. I'm going to be honest with you. Only when you expand and go like, you know, you try to loosen the grip on the theme, good things happen. Yeah, I was going to originally do just Northern Ireland, but I thought that that would get tiresome talking about it for three different works because not that it's not well, because a you find yourself forcing. Moment, but I'm just saying we should have skipped ahead to mine. Jeff's Jeff's theme is stuff that Jeff does not know. Oh, okay. Stuff I'm that, for, that... for next month. <laughs> stuff Jeff does not know. Yep. It's a interesting theme. A little nebulous. No, because Tom is always giving me crap about, you know, like, you know, picking stuff, to like being safe. And I am going to pick three things that I have no, I, I have never listened to, never heard. Oh, oh like no, no, no. I didn't. Jeff doesn't know, like, geometry. Actually, stuff that Jeff doesn't know could almost be exclusive. Oh, you, you mean you were, you were, <laughs> Jeff, you were being safe when you picked Brightburn, the movie? Um, you hadn't seen that. <laughs> no, I, oh, I, did, I did. You know, in my defense, I had not seen it when I picked it. I know it was a joke. You said oh, yeah. you said you're going to go with being safe. I was like, well, okay. All right. No, I did. That, uh, the, the things that I'm going to pick for the month after are things that I have not seen. I have no idea what the hell they are. They're stuff that um, I have heard might be good, but there we I, go. Jeff, we're not up to you. We have to first get to Nicole. Yeah, Jeff. Right, Jeff wants to announce his already. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> Nicole. No, I, I, listen. I already waxed poetic on on your first choice. So, so right, here's. Well, I'm glad so, everyone's excited for that, and I can't wait for Aaron and Jeff to see the Wicker Man because yes. they haven't yet. <laughs> I'm just glad you specified not the Nick Cage. Not the Nick Cage. <laughs> I'll just make a theme of always having a Nick Cage movie. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. I, I'm changing my mind. My month is going to be all Nick Cage. Oh, oh for fuck's sake. All right. So, so sure before, before <laughs> I'm going to say that um, just signing off, if you want to submit your episode, send it to um, one book, one album, one film Facebook page, or you can send it to one book, one album, one film, the Instagram page, or send it to Thomas Falconetti at Gmail. That'll work too. Also, it, um, I, I give you, um, I guess I can't promise you money, but um, I, will, I will love you forever if those picks are all Nicolas Cage centric. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is going to, Jeff is going to create an email. Jeff's going to create an email and submit all superhero themed crap. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say this. If it's superhero themed, we're not picking it. Oh, that's actually, you know what? I, I, this is what, in retrospect, this is what I should have done. There is a great right. documentary about, no, there is a great documentary about the um, uh, uh, Tim Burton Superman movie that didn't happen with Nicolas Cage as Superman. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been better than Brightburn. I know it already. Oh, yeah. I should have picked that one. Anyway. All right. With that, with that, we're signing off. All right. Take care, people. Till next month. Be safe. Bye. <laughs>